0: Welcome to the Online Fraudcast. I'm Carice Hendricks.
1: And I'm Brett Johnson.
0: And we're both anti-fraud experts.
1: But with very different sets of experiences.
0: I've been in the anti-fraud space for well over a decade, working with some of the biggest online companies in the world to help them prevent payment fraud.
1: And prior to several years ago, I was a fraudster. I committed several different types of fraud online, ended up on the United States' most wanted list, spent some time in prison, and since that point, I've dedicated my career to helping businesses and consumers protect themselves against people like I used to be.
0: And this is kind of a special edition. We had topics already lined up and everything, but last week... The news came out that the newly discovered collection one is the largest public data breach by volume with well over 700 million unique emails and 21 million unique passwords exposed. Census data collection was exposed Several security experts have stated that this data is old, a collection of login credentials from previous breaches. It's also been stated that this is the first of a total of six collections, but we're going to talk about if we should be writing this off as just it's old and it doesn't matter and not to worry about it, or if it still poses a threat to uh, more fraud for consumers and online companies, whether the data is from a fresh breach or not. Brett and I have our own thoughts about this, but first we wanted to talk to a good friend of our podcast, Aaron Sherman, who has access to this data. He's been doing a lot of digging into it over the last few days. Aaron has is somebody that actually I met through Brett. He's currently the senior director of cyber threat intelligence at Braintrace. He has over 15 years of cyber threat detection for the U.S. government and now through Braintrace. He has a pretty awesome resume. In fact, his LinkedIn (laughs) made me just surprised. He's done a lot in his career to protect our country and businesses from all kinds of counterintelligence and cyber threats through his time at the FBI as a cyber special agent and also counterintelligence agent at the FBI. He's now in the private space for BrainTrace, and he's really just a great source of information. I know uh, Brett really thinks so as well. Aaron, thank you for being actually our very first official interview uh, of the online broadcast.
2: Oh,
1: great. Thank you, guys. Thank you. you oh, thank you for showing up. I mean, <laughs> I brag about you all the time. I personally think the sun rises and sets with you. That's how <laughs> impressed I am. He's
0: a pretty big badass. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I mean, really, honestly, Aaron's been a huge source of information. After the whole Jose Canseco stuff, I had some worries about, some possible threats to national uh, security um, and literally Aaron called me on a Sunday and we talked for a while about it. And over the weekend, we've been messaging back and forth on LinkedIn about the specific breach. And so I really am big. If anyone saw my LinkedIn post last week, and it's definitely brought a lot of commentary, I'm big on giving credit where credit is due for people that have information, whether it's something I'm sharing or something I have shared and someone else is sharing it. I'm just big on that. So that's why us regurgitating all of the great information that Aaron found out about the data from this breach that it was really important to bring him on and let him share just how smart he is and how and the information that he has so I know this wasn't you know meant to build your ego Aaron but we really do think very highly of you obviously
2: <laughs> well great well, thanks guys for having me on here um, this is fantastic being with you. I've listened to your podcast a number of times, and so this is an honor to be on here with you guys. Well, thank you. So, Go so ahead, you're
0: in, Brett. You're over at
1: Braintrace, and, and Lord knows I, I am very impressed with Braintrace and everything you guys do over there. How long
2: have you had the database? So are you... So specifically... The, The database comprising of exposed credentials that we found on the dark web.
1: So, you know, the the report came out with a 772 million unique emails, the 21 million passwords exposed. How soon after that report came out or, or did you guys actually have the database before that?
2: So we didn't have what was dubbed collection number one by Troy Hunt. So, when we got news of that, our security analysts went to work and within just a couple of minutes, they were able to find it and download it. It's kind of messy, so they're still working through it, but it seems like the majority of the information in that collection were we have already bits and parts of that through other types of compilations that we've downloaded in the past.
0: So actually, let's take a tiny step back and you know, we talked about the fact that you worked for the FBI for a long time in cyber and counterintelligence. Now you're in the private sphere at BrainTrace. I know that this isn't meant at all as a commercial, but I do I think it gives some context to why you have this data, what does BrainTrace do and what is your role there?
2: Oh, great question. So BrainTrace is a fantastic company. It's they, I was working with the FBI, and I saw some of the things that Braintrace was doing, and I was like, man, I wish I was doing that. I wish we could be implementing some of these technologies and, and, um, and initiatives to help prevent cybercrime. So I made the jump from the FBI to Braintrace, mainly because of what they were doing with their dark web threat intelligence. Braintrace is a, is a somewhat small startup based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. They provide a number of services some of that includes SOC as a service. So we have clients all over the United States where we do their cybersecurity for them from out of our eight thousand square foot SOC based out of Salt Lake City, Utah. We also have offices in California and New York City, and security analysts that 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 protect our clients. We have a couple other business. Units where we do advisory services, we do pen tests and risk assessments and all that. But the part with it that I like doing and what I head up is our brain trace labs, which is the dark web threat intelligence, where we, we have really smart guys in there and our smart engineers, and we use our experience and information that we've gathered through our years about the dark web and how the criminal ecosystem works. And we are using that information to not only develop threat intelligence that we can provide to our clients, but also developing new products to help prevent um, some of the things that have been plaguing the, the world for a long time. One of those is business email compromise and account takeovers. And so compromised credentials is what we call it, is something that helps play into that to help prevent account takeovers, credential stuffing, and overall security hygiene for clients.
0: So what do you use the, I mean, I know that you have been able to deduce a lot of patterns and things like that by collecting and compiling all of the data from big breaches. I know me personally, when we were talking a few weeks ago, you looked me up really fast, the database and a name of my family member and a date and I was like oh that was my old password from like 10 years ago how embarrassing like before I knew better but you had it you know so I don't think it's a I mean Brett and I say this all the time but it's definitely not a question of if it or you know it's a question of when you're going to be compromised personally or your company's going to be a target for business email compromise or other issues are you using that data like to compare against the employees of your clients? Are you using it just to deduce and find patterns and try to create new products? Or what are the various purposes that you use all of this data for?
2: Yeah, sure, that's a great question. So if you're familiar with Troy Hunt's website, Have I Been Pwned? Troy Hunt is a security researcher who compiles a lot of breach data and puts it together so that um, people can check to see if their email address or their information's been breached you go to haveibeenpwned.com and you can put in your personal or work email account and then it'll let you know if that email address has been involved in a breach which is fantastic one thing that that people always ask troy for well what's what's the password that was associated with that email um, how do i know if if that's the email if that's the password if i need to change my password and there there's just troy doesn't provide that information for a lot of good reasons so the way that he does that is he just advises people to change their password and use a password manager which i think is extremely important and i echo i echo those those um those thoughts however knowing what passwords are very important so when we have clients that come to us and they want to know what credentials they have are exposed on the dark web in these breaches. So, what we'll do is, um, is we'll throw in their, the domain of that company into our data set and it'll go through and it'll look for any email addresses under that domain that have in our data set and it'll come up with a bunch of sometimes. So, for example, we have a, um, a company that we just did last week. They are, they're a pretty small company, so they have 300 users. I think in that, when we searched in the, for that domain, they had about 100 emails that came back with clear text passwords. So before, when we would provide that information, the, the CISOs or the cybersecurity personnel at that corporation would be, all right, well, thank you for passing that along. We have advised our users to change their passwords. We're good now. Right, and you hear that a lot. You hear, okay, yeah, that's an old password, and that's why a lot of security professionals are dismissing a lot of this information in these breaches. But if you're a data scientist, we have several data scientists here at Braintrace, and these these breaches are a data scientist's dream. They can go through and analyze gigabytes and gigabytes of usernames and passwords and extrapolate a ton of valuable information. Some of the most valuable information are patterns that they're able to see because we're human, right? We have passwords. Some people use the same password for all their accounts. Some people are like, okay, I need to start changing my password. But another problem, so you have you have password reuse, like password reuse. That's where you kind of use the same base password and you just change the numbers on the end. In organizations, when I was with the FBI, they were really strict on password complexity and also how often you have to change your password. And for a cybersecurity guy, that seems like a great idea, but it really fatigues users and it really does. And it causes them to take shortcuts and to it, also, it teaches them bad password management habits in a sense so when you have to change your password every 180 days every 90 days 60 days because you're don't want to forget your password you're going to use the same base password every single time like the word apple and then every time you change your password you're going to use one two or one three or one four you're just going to change the number and the guys on the cybersecurity side see that you change your password it met the specifics of complexity it's a unique password therefore it's it's safe. However, something that I learned a couple of years ago in, when the, in the FBI, when I was investigating a Russian criminal gang, I got into their forum and I was able to see that they were looking at old breach data. And this is old data. So I didn't think it was that important. But when I was listening to them or watching them chat with each other, I was realizing that they didn't care about how old the data was. It didn't mean anything to them. The, the great thing about what they were doing is they were looking at patterns. So they were targeting organizations, pulling down exposed credentials from all sorts of different breaches specific to, so they can find users for that company. And then they were looking at all the different passwords for those people. And then what they were doing is they were pivoting and doing reverse password searches on, that, on those <laughs> passwords. And they were able to identify those users' personal accounts and they were able to identify additional passwords and they were able to identify, oh, yeah, Amanda Johnson at such and such a company, she always uses the word Apple in her password, but then the, the, the number is always different. So they have a great pattern to use, and so they could already tell. Even though the the cybersecurity professional at Amanda Johnson's work thinks that she changes her password every ninety days and it's always unique, the bad guys know what it is. They know it's going to be Apple and then a, a number or two digit number. No, I, I, you know, you're, you're
1: sitting there talking about that. I'm sitting there going, "Oh yeah, yeah." So I am well aware of that. I mean, that's not, you know from from where I came from, uh, that that's one of the things is criminals know. That, that a lot of people use the exact same password or, or it's that like password stuff. You know, okay, what stays the same across these multiple websites? Is it the base word? Is it, is it uh, are they just updating maybe the, the, the last two numbers to match the year or the year they were born or, or what have you like that. So, I mean, it was always something like that. And it's, it's very funny to me that you're, <laughs> that you're talking about on the good guy's stance, when you the work that Braintrace does, it's a, it's a data scientist or a data analyst's dream. But on the opposite side as well, for the criminals, it's okay, we don't really care about, we know the data is old, but still it's good data. If we have enough of it, we can figure out what the password is or how that password is changing over time and we can we can pretty much guess what the new password is going to be i mean that's just uh, you, you when you realize something like that it's it's scary
2: yeah so at brain trace there's a lot of other companies that provide compromised credential searches for companies right and so when they do that right. they run a company and they say okay here's a list of users and their passwords have been exposed. Sometimes they'll provide a truncated version of that password so the users can identify it. But that's that's where they stop. But what Brain Trace does, because we understand that these bad guys are, they're, they're more concerned about the actual pattern and habits than right. anything else. And so we're able to dive deeper into that data and provide those patterns and, and, and identify the users within that organization that have bad password management and bad password hygiene
0: that are that could potentially expose that organization. And so they're able to identify that user,
2: identify that that activity and those habits that they just have no visibility into, and then do additional training and let that user know what's going on so that user can change their habits. So the the best ways to mitigate against any threat like this is one Use a password manager. That's what I do. Ever since I started... You have with, one you recommend? I've used a couple different ones. Troy Hunt recommends 1Password. Um, I use LastPass. I like LastPass because it allows me and my family to have one single account that could be accessed on all our different devices and phones and computers. So that's really helpful. But the, but the best thing about password, is a lot, lot of different ones. So you can kind of pick and choose whichever you like better. But the, the best thing about it is it allows you to have a very strong, unique password for every single account. And it lets you change them as often as you want to. So that regardless of what data gets breached because we know that data is going to get breached everyone's username and password is going to be out there and it doesn't matter how old it is just the one thing that we need to make sure we don't hand over to the bad guys are any patterns or a, any habits that we have that will allow them to guess and get into our current accounts that's the biggest thing
1: right and and i'm a one i'm a uh, last user myself so so we were talking before before we started recording and to to, the, to our listeners out there Carice Hendrick has kind of vanished on us. She had kind of a sporadic uh, internet connection to begin with on this recording, and she's disappeared again. And <laughs> she had sent a note over saying, "You know, if it goes bad on me again, you ju- you guys just go on without me. Keep things alive." I'm like, "Okay, we'll keep do- we'll keep going on then." But before we started recording. I asked if the if if this breach, if the data that the files that you were looking at, if it was a brand new breach or if it was just old data data that had been compiled together, and you said,
2: "Oh, I gotta you got to remind me what I said." So, <laughs> um, so specifically with collection number one, Troy Hunt has done a lot of good analysis into it, so as uh, Brian Krebs. From the limited time that I've had to look at it, so collection number one is comprised of, I don't know, somewhere close to 3,000 different files. And, and the files are named from different breaches. And it's, it's kind of a mess, right? In, in nice breach compilations, like the actual breach compilation, anti-public, combo, exploit-in, those are really nice combo lists with usernames and our email addresses with a colon and a clear text password. It's perfect for automated credential stuffing. But with this collection number one, it's a mess. And so it's taken a long time to clean up. And from what we've been able to tell, some of the these, these username and passwords are already have been in other breaches that we've seen in the past. So there's a, quite a number of duplicates. Some of them look like they go back to back to way back to 2008. And some of them look like they actually might be somewhat new from 2018. So gotcha. it, it's a uh,
1: smorgasbord of data. Things of things that I mention to people and, and companies that I speak to is that a lot of the times, information is just gathered to compile in kind of a database so that criminals can access it and use it. And, and this, this looks, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like this may be something like that. Uh, you know, like when, when we used to steal medical data, we had no idea. It took us a long time to figure out what to do with that data, and we see now that a lot of a lot of criminal groups are kind of using that as a database. They they kind of update uh, something like Robo uh, RoboCheck or something like that with PII. Is it? You think maybe this is what's going on with this this breach here? Is this is one of these compilations that criminals can access and and use as just kind of a data harvester?
2: Well, this one's kind of unique, and I wouldn't categorize it as a breach. I would categorize it as a collection of previous breach data. It, this one with Brian, Brian Krebs especially did a little deeper dive into this collection number one and then two through five. And it seems like a lot of historical breach data, different files have been compiled and into kind of this collection one that Troy Hunt's dubbed collection number one. So it looks like it just a bunch of files thrown together. So it, it's not very user-friendly like some of the previous breach compilations and the others that have been put together for credential harvesting. So it looks like it's not it's not very, it's not easily queryable. And if anybody wants to be able to use it, they're gonna have to go through individually and and clean it up and format it correctly, uh, get it all ready to go to be able to use. But they could definitely do that if they have the time.
1: So, so the question would be is, is since it is so user unfriendly like that? Is that, are we looking at something that just, just is kind of starting as a compilation and they're gonna fix it later? Is it something that some newbie put together? I mean, why is it like that, do you think?
2: Well, I think somebody just got a hold of a collection of different breaches that have been put out in different forms throughout the you know past few months or years and and kind of compiled it all together, zipped up different tar files and different folders and from all these different breaches like US combos and old cloud monetary combos and shopping combos, all different types of combos into one collection and then put it out there. And then that's what the news
1: that hit. Gotcha. So, so kind of, kind of veering a little bit off topic here, off that subject. So I know you've had spent some time with this collection and everything. What have you noticed about management habits or password habits of some of these users?
2: So generally across the board, whenever we do a compromise credential service for an organization, we always find patterns and it's the the patterns that really are the most it it's it leaves corporate accounts extremely vulnerable even personal accounts vulnerable and it's a and it's something that security professionals at these organizations just have no insight into they have no idea what their users passwords are they have ways to kind of mitigate any threats from that and the way that they do that is old school tactics by Having by forcing password changes and, and mandating certain complexities with passwords, but at the end of the day, they have no idea what those passwords are, and they have no idea if those same passwords are being used for other accounts. And if, since they are, some most of the times they usually are, then when those accounts get breached, does that leave their corporate account at risk, even if they do have? some type of security awareness and they, they change some of the last characters the bad guys see those patterns and are able to generate a really good possible password list when they're trying to do account takeovers and get into those accounts so the the biggest thing that we see when we're looking through this breach data and the, again the data scientists love it is that they're, they're able to they have these link diagrams like look Based off this one person's account or username and password, we're able to find seven of her personal email accounts and we're able to tell she uses one of three passwords. And I could probably guarantee you what her current work password is right now. And I look at the data and I'm like, yes, that's incredible. <laughs> and they're, and they're, the security personnel at her corporation have no idea. And so that, oh, so that's our so, purpose.
1: So- this. Yeah. So in that respect, I mean, for the good guys, you're you're able to go in and show a company that's not aware of what the, just some some of their employees are doing with their password habits, and it really, I guess, that's really a pretty pretty big eye opener at that point.
2: Yeah. Yep. Definitely.
1: So, so the the new NIST guidelines came out in twenty eighteen. It it talks about uh, moving away from you know the the special characters that people were doing with passwords, moving more toward a a, a pass phrase instead of a password itself. Uh, it talks about how uh, some passwords, um, you know, it the phrase itself can be as, as small as ten characters and it's it works fine. Uh, they've also uh, lengthened it up to 64 characters at this point. One of the big things that was mentioned is that it's it's no longer necessary to have a consistent or a regular change of passwords. So, so what do you think about the new NIST guidelines where they're talking about the
2: type of stuff? So I think the passphrases are, are very important. I think they're very helpful because that helps defeat against a lot of brute force attacks, a lot of dictionary attacks. Um, when passwords get breached and they're hashed and they use rainbow tables to try to crack those, it's most likely not going to come up because pass passphrases can be very unique. But on the flip side of that, passphrases can be very telling. It depends. I mean, I haven't done a lot of research into it. When passphrases become more prevalent and we continue this work of analyzing exposed credentials, we're going to be able to see a lot in, deeper into people's psyche when they're when they're kind of developing those pass phrases because it's got to be something that they remember, and it's easy to remember, and something that's probably personal. So, based on what we identify as passwords and that are end up being pass phrases, we might learn a lot more about people than we're currently learning about, and we might be able to figure out more patterns and and be able to. Um, guess what their new password is after they're forced to change it. Well, that's you know I'm, I'm sitting there thinking about.
0: <laughs> I can hear giggling, which means that whatever passphrase he's thinking <laughs> exactly
1: right. I'm thinking about some of some of the passphrases I've used, and I'm like, man, that would be kind of embarrassing if that guy
0: leaked all of us. <laughs> I really don't think that consumers know that like a lot of companies can see their password too, because I know, <laughs> I know a password I saw once for a user I mean years and years ago that still stuck with me because I was like what in the world like I really wanted to get to know this person and know like who they are and why they would think of this as their password but it was Royal Vagina and I, I know that we're not listed as explicit but I don't think that that qualifies as explicit. Um, but I was like, what what why do you what do you how do you what <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and no I that it's not you one that, that I use at all? <laughs> 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 right. I'm like, I, I don't know what yeah. But I'm sure Aaron, you also have seen many, many. And I know that like a lot of a common one uses the F word quite a bit because I did my own studies of our passwords when they really work for bagware or seal. And it there were a lot involving the F word that surprised me. I don't think I'd want to type that in every day, but.
2: That's actually one of the most common that we see. We have an F it. word. And I'm like, whoa, that's. Hundreds of millions of people using different it
0: variants. feels a little extreme like a little harsh but <laughs> <laughs> i try to pepper that in rather than use it all the time yeah exactly
2: exactly
0: but, but back to <laughs> but back to what you were saying about like the patterns and stuff um you had shared an interesting one with me over the weekend that i think is a really good example is that one that you can share although i mean as long as you don't associate it with an email or a username, yeah i think it could be really because i think a lot of people think that they don't that their patterns couldn't be guessed, and I think that this is a really good example of um, yeah they can. And if a data scientist at BrainTrace can figure it out, a bad guy can too. Especially social engineer, they can figure it out too.
2: Yeah. So we recently did a compromised credential search for a large organization out of the East Coast, and we did just this. We the the purpose of it isn't to let them know. All the users on that list. It's to do a deeper dive in reverse password analysis to identify these patterns and help these users not only know that their corporate accounts at risk, but also we're able to identify personal email accounts as well, which is kind of scary. One of the best patterns that we've seen so far that was very obvious and was very valuable to the client to understand. Uh, because it's something that they just have no visibility into, is one particular user, I'll just go with the name Amanda Johnson again, which is totally fictitious. She was using the, um, I believe it was firetruck, and that was her base password. And that organization was very strict on how often you had to change your password. And again, I reiterate, You do that and you create uh, user password change fatigue, and then you train your users to develop bad password habits. So her, I think her, I'm I'm just saying firetruck, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something just like that. And then every time that she had to change her password, so she would use the same base password firetruck, and then she would use the month and year that she changed it. Well, it's very—it's common knowledge that this company makes their users change their passwords every 90 days. Oh. And so if you start seeing that pattern of January 2018 and then March 2018 and then so on and so on, you're able to tell, okay, every 90 days this user changes their password. So now it's January 2019. I know without a doubt well, someone without a doubt that I can log in right now with firetruck0119 and get right in. And that's and that's exactly the case. That's exactly what happened. So the, the CISO communicated with the, with the user and the user disclosed, yeah, that's what I do. And yes, that's my current password. And the CISO looks at the hash passwords and it looks completely unique from all previous. And they have no idea... And so not only did we help protect her, so the the CISO used that as a training aid to help instill a kind of security, better security practice for choosing password. But then now also the, that whole corporation is using a, a corporate password management solution.
0: So Brett was recently interviewed on another podcast, um, Zero Days Left, and he said something that I thought was really interesting, and I don't think he's actually said it on this podcast before. Um, and that is, it just got me thinking, and it's so true that nobody really trains you how to have a secure password. There's no like business training. It's not something, but but businesses are sinking so much money into security. However, over 90% of all breaches start with you know something like this, you know, an email compromise of some sort, whether they get into your email or they social engineer the email for you to click on it you know some kind of phishing or spear phishing to me all of this information just drives home the importance of having good password health and i can totally be honest and say i haven't always had good password health aaron knows that better than anyone because <laughs> he knows what one of my old passwords was i mean i've never been so dumb as to have you know password one two three but i think that figured out and i've tried to use different ones during different times of my life and I have very specific ones for banking and email that aren't used anywhere else like I try to compartmentalize but I know that I'm not the best at it and all of this is hitting home but I think what I'm hearing is just that especially when consumers are using the same per- password for different things when they have to change it they're not really being creative because yeah we have to remember them all of these things are little little or medium or you know large size cracks, but then together it's a whole big system. And that's why we, you know, that's why when dumps like this happen, there is still a risk because I mean, how many people change their password every couple years? I mean, even if those passwords are from a breach two years ago, who's to say that that isn't still the password for that account, let alone any other account. So what kind of advice do you give to people when you're talking to businesses about good password health?
2: Well, first off, I the password managers are essential. I think that's, yeah. that's a very good tool to be able to ma- maintain unique, separate. That's how to compartmentalize. You don't, even, you don't even need to think about compartmentalization when you're doing that. So use a password manager. The other thing is the bad guys are going to get your passwords regardless. So, right. a uh, multi-factor authentication in your authentication process is key. So that's you know two-factor with an authenticator app or a hard token uh, is is key. So that even though if they do have your password, um, if they don't have that token or that authentication app, then they're not going to be able to get into your account. But I think just general awareness. So podcasts like this are great just to let people know that. That even though old data is out there, you can still find patterns and people are smart and they're exploiting that. And so they can get into your accounts.
0: Right. And that was something I really wanted to drive home because, I mean, the buzz on LinkedIn on Friday. I mean, I even had somebody comment on my post, which I I totally agree. And I think even a couple of years ago, I would have thought the same thing like eh, this is old stuff. This isn't really a new breach. Like you said, it's a collection of several breaches and it doesn't matter the same way five six years ago when i would hear of a breach that didn't involve credit card numbers i would be like "eh, it's not a big deal just like a lot of consumers (laughs) still think now because of account takeovers and all these other things and synthetic fraud and all these other things that are coming up now i actually and i tell this all the time to people having your password and your username or your email address hacked and breached that information out there is way more dangerous than your credit card number because your credit card number can be canceled at any time i don't even remember all of the you know, online accounts that I have certain passwords with, like, and I'm sure other people don't either, because you have an account for everything. And so I think that it's really important to say, well, yeah, it it wouldn't have value if consumers stepped up their game, and if they were smart, but they aren't. And Companies are just, you know, just the same, whether it's with their employees or with their own data and use of it. So I think we have a long way to go, but getting the education out there, I think is really important. I certainly can think of several ways that this information can be used for account takeovers, for online fraud, for um, phishing, for, um, you know, uh, business email compromise. What other uh, risks are you concerned about?
2: I think business email compromise is huge because that if, if back I you know, if I was a bad guy, I would love to get into someone's email account. If I can get into someone's email account, that's a treasure trove and almost an access key to get into a lot of other accounts to try to you know, reset passwords. Business email compromise is huge, especially trying to get into um, corporate accounts to be able to conduct BECs.
0: And BECs are not just done to try to get into the company to send phishing emails to the CEO or whatever else from an employee's account. They're also used for... Something that you're familiar with from your past life, counterterrorism, uh, right? Like other state actors trying to get documents and and information uh, from businesses and corporations.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Nation-state actors are const- constantly trying to get into U.S. corporations to steal valuable intellectual property and trade secrets.
0: Well, and I heard um, once but- I, I, this helped me because I I didn't really understand like why they would think that they would get. A treasure trove of information, like for the Sony hack, for example, right? Or what it would do for the nation state. But I heard once, and it's probably on NPR, and I'm probably butchering it a little bit. You probably know this better than I do, but that a lot of times they think that the key to that business's success, or the key to something, is going to be on their servers because the way that their or their countries are run, everything is state, you know, sponsored. And so their organizations, if it's an electrical company, they're going to have like the key to information of the electrical grid for the entire country. Whereas if you're breaching an electrical company here in the US, there's probably several different, you know, there are several different companies and they're not all going to have just the magic key. Um, but it does give them a lot of great data and also understanding into consumer behavior and, and other things to try to exploit.
2: You know trust or anything else yeah and i'm trying to think of some other risks and i think overall like a higher level risk is because of the patterns we're able to pivot from corporate accounts and use of like a fuzzy logic search from their username and their password and we're able to identify a whole host of personal accounts for that just based off of that username and password for that corporate account so there's a privacy issue there as well, right? When you're using the same or like passwords and same or like usernames in your email addresses, you're exposing old email accounts or email accounts that you might want to keep secret. I mean, this is a would be a great tool for law enforcement. So there's
0: the privacy issues mm. as well. Right. Well, and
1: the so, other, oh, cool. um, go ahead, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you, so, you know, I've, I've got a lot of buddies like Chris Roberts, Benjamin Yelpie, uh, a lot of people who, who really preach about, we need to do away with passwords. You know, that passwords have outlived their usefulness or they're soon to outlive their usefulness and we need to move on to something else. I'd like, I'd like to get your opinion on that. If you if you think that passwords are, are destined for the graveyard. And if they are, what do you think will replace those?
2: So I agree with you and Chris. Passwords—we we just got to get rid of them, <laughs> right? <laughs> if, if you look back when the when the, the guy was creating the first password and like, hey, how do I authenticate my account? Let's just create a password, right? This very simple way to protect his account back in the '60s or '70s, but but now with with the amount of breaches that we see, I mean, passwords have we got to do something different, right? And, but I don't necessarily know what the right answer is. I don't think passwords are going to go away anytime soon because they're just so ingrained into security architecture in, on almost every level. But I do think that the implementation of, of hard tokens for authentication and these other types of authentication methods will probably get better but I just don't, I don't know what the answer is, but I would love to see the passwords be. And I know that there are a few down. people
0: that are definitely talking about it. And a couple, one person I can definitely think of who is constantly on social media saying, you know, hashtag no more pa- passwords, but there really hasn't been a alternative suggested by that. And I don't know if that's a buzz or what, you know, I know that biometrics has been discussed but that's a whole other you know issue of now you have you've just swapped passwords for fingerprints well is that better or is that worse not to mention the fact that you have to have you know a device that can capture that and then you know change it uh, compare it to the data and all of that I do think that that will be the wave of the future probably five ten years but I you know at least to my knowledge like you said I I don't think there's really been a great solution. I do think that behavior biometrics definitely at the time of login can really help in detecting whether that's the real person logging in or not. I know uh, there's one particular company that if you even use the same device and that person has written their password on a post-it, if I were to type it in, they would know it wasn't the user. So I think that that's a good tool to use. It is kind of expensive still, but you know, depending on the size of the company, if you're able to put that in especially if you have quite a few accounts, um, that could be good. Um, I, I really just want to like, you know, ending this up, I kind of just want to give you the platform to talk about, you know, do you think that this is a big deal? What do you, I know that you've also been looking at the other collections as well, like one through five, what do you, you know, what can be, what can our users learn from this and what should they take away? Like, is this a big deal? Is this not, I think we've kind of talked about it, but just giving you, the platform.
2: <laughs> Thanks. So yeah, yes and no. So you'll hear people argue back and forth that this is important or that it is important Um, As far as the value of the individual passwords associated with specific accounts, because they could be old when you look at it, of course not, it's not important because I've changed my password. But when you start looking at it deeper and and you start ingesting a lot more data and you're looking at it holistically and seeing the bigger picture, you start realizing really quickly that, yes, this is a huge problem because you're able, as I said before, you're able to identify patterns you're able to identify password reuse, you're able to identify personal email accounts. you're able to, to find a lot of information about people that you could easily guess what their probably their current password is even though they've changed it you know 30 days ago. So yes, it, it, it is a problem. Um, what I would suggest doing it, like I said before, is there's easy ways to mitigate this, right? So one, uh, use a password manager. Um, if your corporation or organization doesn't currently do that, there there's, there's corporate level password managing services out there that'll allow your users to have password managers. Uh, multi-factor authentication is huge. I know there's Along the, in Utah and Salt Lake City, there's a number of organizations that have transitioned to using hard tokens for multi-factor authentication, which is excellent. Um, but then just understanding that, that whatever you do on your personal internet activity, all the accounts you use, your different passwords that you think won't compromise or, or leave your work account vulnerable, that's a lie. Everything you do on the internet Every all your habits that you have will will directly um, impact the security of any type of corporate account. Well, that's scary. <laughs> and just for clarification,
1: um, when you say hard token, you mean like the USB keys like, that Google uses and things like that, yes? Well, and exactly. one other thing I wanted okay. to
0: say because I can just I'm sure that a couple of our listeners are going to point it out. Um, I know that there was a password manager recently that was hacked or had some kind of a compromise. Admittedly, I'm not super familiar with the story, but what would you say um, to people that say, well, that can get hacked too, and then that's the keys to the kingdom?
2: Right, so I mean, anything can get hacked, right? So here's my thinking on that. If, if, um, if If you use a password manager, there's ones that you can use that are encrypted on your local machine that have no connection to the cloud. So those are more secure, right? So the bad guys can't, can hack into a cloud account like LastPass. That's all cloud-based. Um, but in my thinking, I think, okay, yeah, I can get hacked. Or if they could figure out my master password, they can get access to all my other passwords. That's that's absolutely true, right? And that's something that I think about every time I'm using LastPass. But at the same time, it's LastPass's only job right. to protect those No, that's a really good point, passwords. and that's actually
0: something I've said
2: before. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and actually, just to clarify, it was um, Blur, yeah. B-L-U-R, and it was 2.4 million uh, users that were left exposed um I, I would actually venture to say that probably in another month they'll probably be the safest uh, <laughs> probably the safest password <laughs> manager, right but um
1: you see, you're you're adopting that same philosophy that I've got. See, if I if I see the news and there's like a a, a travel ship, one of these cruise ships that's wrecked, I'm like, that's the ship that I need <laughs> well, to book Well, I don't know if I go that vacation. far,
0: but <laughs> I so, so work Roma- <laughs> with several <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, the, the Romaine lettuce scare was out there. So they they were talking about all the poisoned Romaine lettuce and I'm sitting there, I told Michelle, my wife, I was like, Oh my god, we goodness. need to go and buy romaine lettuce well, now.
0: I I wouldn't say it on all of those things, but for me, I think of it because I've worked with a lot of companies that have been breached, and I know exactly what (laughs) they've put into, and there are a couple of very large retailers that were breached a few years ago that honestly, they were the safest place to use your credit card a couple months later. Um, because I knew how much effort they put into it. So <laughs> I'm basing it a little bit on experience and knowledge than just assuming that, like, you know, lettuce is going to be, that's my health. Like, I don't need to mess with that. But <laughs> I,
1: I'm just going to have a romaine salad lettuce series. Uh, well, lettuce, with the government shutdown I I mean.
0: and with nobody looking <laughs> I'm, at I'm it right confident now, that I say, I'm safe. good luck to you. <laughs> 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 and our friends across the pond are laughing hysterically at us. All right, right well. <laughs>
1: well i think that i think we've asked eric Aaron, about everything we need to ask him thank you
0: so much for being so awesome with us both on and off the podcast and for i mean literally just last night like pretty late i was like hey do you mind popping on the podcast and you were all for it so thank you so much i really appreciate it and um anyone who wants to connect with you where can they find you
2: Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, of course. You, if you're <laughs> yeah. friends with Brett and Chris, you can definitely find me or go to braintrace.com and check out Braintrace, and awesome. you'll be able to find my bio and how to connect.
1: And, with and do check out Braintrace. Yeah, is definitely.
0: An I mean, if, if email compromise is not something that your company has thought about, um, I know that a lot of the people listening are mostly focused on you know, financial and monetary fraud, but we all know that cybersecurity and fraud are close cousins or in a Venn diagram, there's an overlap. So, um, you know, and, and not always is there somebody looking at that. So something to bring to cross-functional teams uh, really to make sure that your company is doing everything that they can to uh, educate the people that work there um, as well as your consumers too. Thanks so much again, Aaron. We really appreciate it.
2: Oh. It's a pleasure. <laughs> all right, Aaron, I'm giving you all. In the nicest all. way Thank possible.
1: Oh. Well the button says kick. It doesn't That's it's mean. not like it says sayonara, it says
0: kick. thank you Erin you too bye (laughs) seriously uh we really appreciate Erin um do a lot of interviews in this particular format but we do think that they're important from time to time especially on timely topics like this so we'll have a few in the future that we've got lined up as well because we we don't ever want to assume we know everything I hope that that was really interesting especially from somebody who has had access to this data that's getting talked about quite a bit online So we just wanted to, in the last little bit of the podcast, talk about specific to online fraud, kind of some to-dos or some things for you guys to think about, about what you can do to maybe protect your company and your customers from being victims of any breach or hack, but especially with all of this data out. I mean, just for context, there's 300 million people in the U.S., there were over 700 million emails exposed just in the first collection and now that the other collections are available as well that's pretty much everyone definitely something to consider i think that the biggest impact to online fraud brett you'd probably agree would be credential stuffing account takeovers and probably a little synthetic fraud would you agree
1: yeah I, you know i think that we've got uh, we've got a few systems like that 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 will recognize if you're using a, an older password so, so what I'm saying is, is that say someone's trying to gain access to your system, they don't have your current password, say they can't figure out the pattern for your password. So they may try to use the older password in the hopes that that would trick the system into thinking that you were more legitimate at that point and then trying to reset the password from there, that type of stuff. But yeah, it's, it's credential stuffing, account takeovers, uh, even with a, with a breach like this. I mean, it's, it's one of these are not a breach, but a collection like these, this, even with this, a lot of people, when they see something like this, they still won't change their passwords. All right. And that becomes an issue because if you've not changed your password and it's on these files, well, you're done. So you you have to, you have to understand that you don't have to change your password unless there's a reason for you to do it. That's that new NIST guideline. So unless there's a reason for you to change your passwords, you don't have to do that. But I I would consider that this is a, a reason to do that. You know, this this should be impetus to change your passwords. And not only that, I mean, Aaron pointed out a very important thing. This this pattern type thing. And while he was talking about it, I was I had my mic on mute because I'm laughing hysterically thinking about my (laughs) wife's (laughs) passwords. Because <laughs> you talk about a pattern. So I'm going to have to show this to her. And I'm going to be like, hey, you have to come up with a completely new pattern because this stuff is crazy that you're doing. And she's going to be upset with me. but <laughs> well, maybe say the it
0: in a nice way and not you're an idiot. Because honestly, well... It I would never implied, say that to her that's face. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, in your tone of voice, that can come across without you ever saying those words. <laughs> as a wife, I know that very well. Um, <laughs> and as your friend, I know that you. It's very easy to read into what you're intent, what you're really thinking. <laughs>
1: yes, yes, it's yes, hard for me to hide. Unless you're in
0: social engineering mode, which I'm glad you don't go into very often. I honestly like I change it every couple of years, and I actually change the base word, and then, you know there's stuff but I still think that uh, I'm not doing the best that I could so I really need to just sit down and sign up for a password manager I've had one in the past but through sure. a, my former company but it's just I don't know it, it's always daunting to me for like having to remember all the different pa- accounts I have and linking it and stuff but I just need to sit right down and, and, and it. you know I, so I hope other people have thought and that I, too. I
1: use LastPass and I keep threatening to get the rest of the family on it and I need to just sit down and say hey today's the day
0: <laughs> right <laughs> Yeah, I need to do the same thing. (laughs) But you know, as far as like what merchants can do to try to prevent ATOs from happening on your account, I know several merchants, especially in online gaming and online dating, who have required mandatory password resets after a big breach. I think that that's a really good idea. But I think that in addition to that, you really need to educate your consumers on what a secure password is and why it's important not to change it back to the original one. Because there's at least one online gaming company that told me a couple of years ago about they had logic put in place where you can't reset the password to a previous password for like a certain number, right? So say like you can't have it be the last five passwords you've had. Well, what they saw was people changing the password the number of necessary times to something new only to finally re- like... In succession, right? So, password one, password two, password three, password four, password five. Okay, now that I'm at password six, I can go back to my original password. So, I mean, it just goes to show like, consumers want ease and we constantly are trading our security and privacy for convenience and, you know, things faster, easier. And so, I think that, you know, really providing some education, but in short, succinct ways of like, this is why it matters. This is why, because I don't think that people do enough. Of that education and talking when a breach happens, they just say, please update your password. And they don't explain, this is why it matters. You can have somebody log into your account. And if you use it for other accounts, they'll lock into your account too. And if you have a stored credit card on there, they're going to go to town. And, you know, it's like parenting, right? I think I said in the last episode, like it's big to me to explain to Jordan the why, because then she follows the what. And I think that that's the way consumers are too. And then also, I know of another gaming company that had a lot of customers and like players and stuff engaged in their social media pages. So they put up stuff like that. We also created Gamer Safety Alliance Week, Online Gamer Safety Week. I think that's what we called it. For, you know, providing education as well in like a team way. But that was a few years ago. So those would be some things I'd think about is really educating them and also requiring that.
1: And you know, what what, what hit me as you're talking about that is this whole idea that I've been talking about of... And it's not just my idea. A lot of people are talking about the same thing of of not focusing on security awareness right. training, but instead on focusing on personal safety online, mm-hmm. teaching the person to be safe and explaining why that goes on. And, and it translates to work and all these other environments.
0: As You're well. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just calling it, you know, safety rather than security and really providing. I think that your consumers will appreciate the education because a lot of people tell us, I mean, at least for me, when people ask what I do. They want to know a high level of what can I do to be completely safe? And that's not the case. There's a lot of layers, but this is probably the easiest way to stay safe online right now is a secure password, updating your passwords, having a password manager, doing all these things to keep your account safe. So that way, when the next time there's a huge breach, you're not worried about it. And if you're able to even convince a small percentage of your consumers to just be a little bit smarter about it, that's going to help things as well. And that will also then make it harder. I mean, I don't know. Now I'm just getting idealistic as far as like, then we'll all live in a safe and happy world. That's not really the case, but you know what I mean? Like it, it it's, can, not, it's not, but I mean, the it's more it's, difficult. We make it for fraudsters, the harder their job is. And I guess that's really what I'm that's going to
1: <laughs> And, and, you know, it's, it's the whole thing, like, like even with this, this collection that was, that was announced that, uh, they founded everything else. It, we have to, we have to remember not to just be used to things, to take things for granted. Oh, it's another breach. Right. It's another. It's another. It's another. Uh, immune uh, to uh, it. All this information has been collected. It, we have to. We have to take things seriously. Even, you know, when we're opening our emails, we can't just scan through all these emails. We may have a hundred to, to answer every single day, but each one is important. When we get lax on that, when we when we, when we we get bored is when the attacker comes in and takes advantage and steals data, mm-hmm. cash,
0: money. Great. Right. Ransomware. I mean, all these things can happen right. when they have your username and password, especially if you use the same one for everything. The other thing I wanted to just touch on with you, Brett, is something that I learned from you kind of early on in our friendship that kind of changed my thinking on breaches and data available on the dark web and everything else. And you kind of touched on it a little bit with Aaron, but I used to think that it was kind of one and done. So once there was a data breach and that information was sold to one person, then it was no longer used again. And now I learn that it's saved, it's compiled, they create lists, it's sold multiple times. It's out there multiple times. It's not just one and done. And it's not the freshest data is the only data that's you know, accessible, as we've mentioned many times today. But I guess that really was a good mind shift for me because I was thinking, okay, if my credit card was stolen, it's going to be sold once. The person who sold it isn't going to have it anymore. They're just going to give it to that person. And then once that one person uses it, never again. And we've talked about this a lot on the previous episodes where there's other different types of fraud that can happen once they've exhausted, you know, so they have your full card number and you shut that down. Well, then maybe they'll call you. And try to get more information from you through a phishing email or or a phone call, or maybe they'll do more things. So, I what mean, else do you think could come out of this? You know, even if it's just old. Well, passwords. I mean, you're right.
1: I mean, it's uh, it it is never right. finished. It is never finished. So Aaron was talking about patterns. And I remember when I was a criminalist, and it works the same way today. So say we take this database, this collection of files, this 772 million email addresses. That's just the with first collection, by the way. I haven't heard the
0: numbers for the That's just
1: the first collection. So, so say, I, say I'm say i looking for a specific target within those files, and I find that. Now, it's an old password. It's 10 years old. But I'm looking at the password, and say the password, I, I notice, okay, so I've pulled the, uh, I've got one, one particular person I'm targeting. I've pulled their background check. I've pulled their credit report. I'm looked. At, I'm looking at their social media p- profiles, everything else like that. And I notice that the password is the name of a family member and a year beside of it. So, okay, I'm like, what is that year? Then I notice, oh, that year's the birth year of the family member. Huh. So now I have an idea. Okay, that's an old password, but I wonder if every single password that they use is just a family member with their birth year beside of it. So it it, it pretty much narrows down the number of of attempts that I need to make to get access to their bank account, credit card account, anything else like that, Uh, work, email, anything at that point. That that becomes the entire issue. And this stuff, like, like you said, it, and I've said that before, it never goes away. Just because you get hit one time doesn't mean that it's over. You're hit one time by, these days, criminals specialize in one specific area. So you're hit by one criminal who specializes in one type of fraud, Once he's done with you, he's done with you. But everyone else, there's a line of people waiting their turn on their specific type of fraud that they're they're going to hit you with. Business email compromise, social security account takeover, HELOC loans, student loan fraud, all these other things, new account fraud. All these other things are things you're going to be hit with. Well, and I just realized
0: something else, and this is like... Great. I'm realizing it about myself, so now I'm going to you know, change everything soon. But if you're using a family member's name, <laughs> it's easy with public records data and stuff to figure out which family member it is, right? And then maybe that's your mother Absolutely. and maybe the, the security question at your bank is mother's maiden name. God, I hope not still, but you know what I mean? Or first child's name <laughs> or first pet's name. If they've used that in the password, right. it doesn't take too much work to look on social media. And there's so much data out there that's open that you can look at. Social media, public records, data, whatever, to figure that out. Now you can answer security questions. I mean, it really doesn't end, and I think that that's the biggest takeaway for me. It's something that I mean, after over ten years of working in fraud, I didn't even realize until the last two years. You know that it will continue to be used, and that it's not just a one and done. And it because a lot of companies don't require you to update your password. I mean, there's one very large company that. I had to log in the other day because I got a new phone and I realized, oh my gosh, this is the password from 10 years ago that Aaron found on, (laughs) on his site, like on his data collection that he (laughs) called me out on. I didn't think I was using it for anyone anymore, but I use this, I have this app on my phone for this large company and I don't ever, I've never been asked to change my password. So I never have because I never have to log in again. And that's something working with a lot of, especially like data streaming companies like movie streaming, streaming, gaming, dating, all those digital sites, they really don't want you to have to log in very often because they know you forget the password. Well, the problem is then I forget that I haven't updated it in a long time. When you don't have to do that, lots of food for thought. We just really wanted to get on here and discuss this and really help you guys see that this is not something to just kind of glaze over, go, oh, it's just another breach. It's all out there anyway, or just write it off because some security experts have said basically to do that. It's old data. And I think that when we do that, we are kind of giving in. We're letting the criminals have their way, right? Because we're not being diligent, right? And, you know, I,
1: I don't know which security experts said that, but I don't think they're very good
0: experts. <laughs> You're a liar because you know one of them and we both agree <laughs> about that, but that's a whole other story. And definitely not something I'm talking about.
1: I was trying to be nice. I know.
0: Yeah. From personal experience and otherwise, there are a few people that, you know, other people follow that I choose not to. <laughs> but then Brett puts me on the spot like this and I'm like, ah. Can't, I won't say it, I know. But no, I'm you're just right. I'm
1: just saying, I'm just saying. I, I, pr- I promised everybody that I, I was gonna well, let them know what I thought. And
0: I'm sure people say that about <laughs> us too, right? I mean, I know that a few people have said like, oh, they don't really know what they're talking about. So, you know, obviously take everything with a grain of salt. Right. But I would say 700 million records over, it's almost 800 million records, honestly, is not something to just like dismiss easily, in my opinion, especially when data doesn't change that quickly, especially when that can be used and there can be patterns to decipher. So I think that's really- if we haven't said that enough today, that is I think the takeaway that we really wanted to drive home in this podcast that's probably a little extra long, but hopefully it was good. I a think little bit, So, so. Yep, let's wrap let's her up
1: that. you want to <laughs> All right, that's it for our episode today. Thank you for joining us and we hope you've learned a lot. You know we've got so many of these topics to cover to help you protect yourself and your company from fraud so please subscribe to the online broadcast to be alerted to when a new episode is out. And please tell your friends, Rate and review wherever you can because we need it and it helps get the word out to other people. It helps others learn about these topics as well.
0: And we love to hear from you guys and what you like so far about the podcast, how we can improve, and what topics you want to hear us discuss. You can find Online Frogcast on Facebook, on our website, www.onlinefrogcast.com, or find us individually on LinkedIn.
1: Until next time, stay informed, stay vigilant, and stay secure.
2: I'm gonna go